Uh, so I'll speak loudly. So I just want to start by saying how grateful I am to have the opportunity to teach. There are so many well-equipped, wise individuals in this congregation that are so much more qualified to teach than I am. And they, they had invited me last year, and I had taught last year. And the first time's like a freebie, because you don't know what to expect. But uh, the second, I can't believe that after that, they invited me back again. So I'm just, I am humbled and honored to be just presenting God's word to you today. Um, and so, but I'm also really excited. I'm really nervous, but I'm really excited. Um, I'm excited to share this message with you today. Uh, as, as Haley introduced in the welcome, then this is actually something that we've been studying in our student ministry in Fusion. And so we've been studying on knowing and following the will of God. And so it's something that I don't think is a coincidence, the timing of it. Uh, for me, this has been a really big portion of my life, a big transition, because I had to decide what college I was going to go to, whether or not I would go to college, um, and all the decisions there. And it's maybe one of the biggest decisions of my life. And so for God to have orchestrated it, or maybe Dan, who knows, but for God to have orchestrated it for us to be studying the will of God in fusion, and also I got to teach some of those, so I got to learn it twice on occasions, um, that was just such reassur so reassuring, and it really helped encourage me, and I think that you'll find encouragement and um, application out of this as well. So... I, I look to a lot of people for guidance. I look to my dad, Pastor Dan. As a culture of, as a whole, we look to like financial counselors, therapists. Just walking down Chicago, I'm walking down the street, and I see a sign for fortune telling. People will go to all sorts of places for guidance. But all of these people are operating off of a limited knowledge of the past. They have limited understanding of what's actually happening in the present, and as a result, they don't have any real knowledge of the future and have absolutely no control over the future either. And so even despite all of these things, we still deem it important to go to these people for advice. And um, some of them provide good advice. Some of them provide poor advice. In fact, there's a whole new, uh, no, whole new realm of profession um, of social media influencers, people who are specifically there to where people will um, look to them for advice or look to them and they can influence large groups of people. Now, you can probably see where I'm going with this. I'm not too, uh, I'm pretty, uh, uh, pretty obvious where I'm going with this, but we have a God, and if you're a, if you're a Christian, you know this personally, we have a God that knows everything that's happened in the past. He created the earth. He knows everything that's happened in the past. He has full understanding of everything that's going on in the present and full understanding of what will happen in the future. And more than that, he's got control of what's going to happen in the future. And so for us to go all of these other avenues and not consider what God's will is for our life would be missing out on a major opportunity for us. And so I just want to emphasize that above all these things is on, on top of that is that God truly loves us. He truly has our best intentions or he truly has our best, um, the best in, best in store for us. So we're going to be diving into that. I like this Proverbs. It says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse nine, it says the heart of the man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. 
Now, you might have heard this, this passage quoted from Jeremiah chap, chapter 29, verse 11, saying this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. This verse is of great encouragement, but you know what? I think it has even greater value when you read it inside the context in which it's presented in the Bible. This is presented to the nation of Israel, not when things were on the bright side for them, not when things were looking up for them, but when they were in slavery, when they were in captivity, when they could have felt that God was, couldn't have been any further away from them, any more distant than, than when they're in the middle of slavery, God reassures them that he has a plan for you. And I just want to say that to every one of you. I don't, it doesn't matter where you are in your walk. If you're a believer, if you're an unbeliever, even if you're an unbeliever, God's still calling you to be a part of his plan. And part of that is to accept Jesus, if he's calling you. And you have to follow that. You have to choose to follow that. Now, God's got a great plan for each of you. And it will look different for us. But we can each, um, we can each live out our lives to the best of what God has in store for us. Now, like I said, God loves us and he knows what's best for us. And oftentimes, what's best for us is not what we think what's best for us. It's not the things that we might want for us. Like maybe having a nice house, having plenty of spare money on hand, having a nice car. Those might be the things that we want for us, but maybe God knows that those things would be a real challenge to us to actually have. Maybe those things are things that God would know are better if we didn't have. Now, I really like... uh, Um, I really like this verse here in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 9. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as heavens are higher than the earth, so so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That's God speaking to us. So you might be asking yourself, why doesn't God make his will super easy for us to find? You know how easy it would be? If in the morning, 6 a.m., you get a text message through some app, and it comes from the 777 area code, and it's God's will for you for that day. It's just laid out there like, okay, I want you to talk with this person. This person needs to hear the gospel. This is the job that you should be applying for. This is what you should do with your mortgage. These are all the steps that I have laid out for you for your life. It would be so easy, and wouldn't it be nice? It would have made finding a college easy, like, hey, what college did I go to? Oh, that's it, all right? So it would have made that decision process so much easier. Now, you might be asking, why doesn't he make it so easy for us? And I just want to emphasize something. So I'll be walking through. These are things that we discussed in our youth youth ministry. These are things that we discussed um, throughout the whole summer. I just want to emphasize each one of the things that I will bring up in this, in this message are things that will bring you closer to God. More than anything, God wants a relationship with you. So I'm just going to give you a sneak peek here. Things such as reading the Bible, spending time in prayer, surrounding yourself with wise counsel, being sensitive to the Spirit's calling, all of these things are things that will bring you closer to God. It's written in James chapter 1, verse 5 through 6. I'm going to refer to this verse a few times. And actually, if you want to open up in your Bibles, I really want to encourage you. This is going to be more topical. So we're going to be going all over the place. You're going to get plenty of practice finding finding little tough passages hidden away. I just want to encourage you to look in your Bible. Because my goal, I don't want it to be just my thoughts on something. I want it to be based out of Scripture. And there will be some things that I'm sure... 
God's, God's inspired, God's wanting me to say, there's going to be things that he doesn't want. So just, he's not, he's not taking credit for those ones. But I just want to highlight here in, uh, in James chapter 1, verse 5 through 6, says, if, any, if you lack wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. When, but when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Now, let me just make a real quick interjection. So I'm not perfect. I make a bunch of mistakes. And I think, actually, naming the, the, the sermon was a little bit of a mistake on my part. Um, <laughs> When I'm, when I'm preparing to teach, I get to learn a whole lot, and it's such a privilege to be able to have the time set aside to teach, uh, or to prepare to teach. And so when I was asked to name the, or create a title for the message, I put it as Knowing the Will of God. Now, after just preparing for this, I think that's a little bit dogmatic. I think it should be instead Seeking the Will of God. Um, <laughs> my dad gave me this, this uh, little story. He said this, there's a little girl whose dad was a pastor, and so she asked her dad, Daddy, why do you, how do you know what to say in your sermons? And her dad said to her, well, daughter, God tells me what to say. Then the girl, being a little confused, asked, then why do you throw so many pieces of paper in the trash? <laughs> it's a process of seeking God's will. It's not something that we can't claim with 100% certainty that we know what God's will is unless it's clearly stated in Scripture. And I'll give some examples of that coming up unless it's clearly stated in God's word. But even then, we can still apply God's word improperly. There's plenty of examples, and I'm sure you've seen examples in your own life, where God's word has been abused and applied improperly. But going back to the analogy I gave earlier, it'd be nice if God revealed his will through a simple text message on our phone. He doesn't do that, at least not for me. If he does for you, please tell me, that would be cool. But he has given us a text. He has given us a text with his written word that we can read, that we can look through, that we can understand. And so I want to highlight that as our first resource. Let's just look at that. If you're, if you're taking notes, I'd write that down. Our first resource, God's written word, is our first resource for knowing the will of God. Let me just highlight some things. Um, Psalm chapter 119, verse 105. It's a big book. Your words are a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When it comes to knowing the will of God, scriptures are first stop. Let me just give you a few examples of where the Bible makes it explicitly clear on what his will is for us. So, first of all, we're to seek God's kingdom first, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We're to honor our parents, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. We're to forgive others, Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 through 15. We're to love one another, John 13, 34 through 35. We're to work diligently at our job, Colossians 3, 23. Those are just a few examples. And in many areas, almost in a majority of the areas, then God has made his will already clearly known through us in scripture. So if you're not already like reading God's word, it's really good to just dig into it because you're gonna learn more of what God's, God's will is for your life. Let me just give an example. The best example you could find. Jesus, Jesus is the ultimate example of what it looks like to know and to follow God's will. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 10 here. This is, this is the account of Jesus being tempted in the, in the desert. So let's just, I'll give you a minute to, to flip there. All right, so you ready? Can I get a thumbs up? <laughs> 
when you're there? All right, that's great. So this is what, this is, what is written. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world with their splendor. This is Satan speaking. All of this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Notice how Jesus goes back to scripture here. Jesus goes back to what's already written in scripture. Now, this temptation of Satan, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail, but this temptation of Satan is one that we face ourselves. It might not be the whole world, but the promise is still the same that if you just worship me, if you just go this avenue of sin, I will give you the pleasures, the desires, all the things that you want as long as you don't do it the way that God wants you to do it. And so it's a common temptation. And in those situations, we should do exactly what Jesus did. We should go back to scripture. We should search through scripture on what his will is for our lives. So, like I said, some areas are explicit in what we're to do, what we're not to do, um, explicit in his will for our lives. Other areas lay out principles for us. I don't think I can teach a message without saying this, using these verses, because it's so good and it's such an encouragement to me. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is, is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, may be complete, equipped for every work. Now, let me just give you a, a rule, pause and give you a rule real quick. And that'll be probably the next slide. God's will is never going to contradict scripture. So if I give you advice and it contradicts scripture, not God's will. If my dad gives you advice and for some strange reason, his advice is really good. If it contradicts scripture, then it's not God's will. And you might want to go check with some Like, am I reading this right? And make sure that your understanding of scripture is, is accurate by other people. But God's will is never going to contradict scripture. Now, remember when in the New Testament, when Paul and Silas are going from place to place preaching the gospel? This is one of my favorite examples of what it looks like to, to search scripture. He came across the Jews in Berea, and it said that they received the word with all eagerness. But what else did they do? They also examined the scriptures daily to see if what Paul said was true. And so I just want to challenge you and challenge myself in the process, are you digging into God's word daily? Are you reading God's word? Because I can say, I'm, a, I'm not a perfect man. There's times I'm really good keeping up with my Bible study. There's times where it's 1240, and I want to go to sleep, and so I don't do my Bible study. And you know what? The times when I'm not digging into God's word on a consistent basis, those are the times where I feel like, God, why aren't you saying anything to me? Why aren't you speaking into my life and giving me guidance, giving me your will for what my life is? It's so important that we dig into God's word, just like the Bereans did. The Bereans set an ex amazing example, and the, the Bible commends them for their, their diligence in searching the scripture. Now, scripture is not the only resource we have. We have plenty of resources. The second resource is prayer. Scripture and prayer go hand in hand, like salt and pepper. They are always, they're always best when used together. Oftentimes, I found that God will lead me to whatever passage I need to read. Sometimes it's just maybe I'm coming across that in my Bible study or something, or somebody else will, will give me a passage. But oftentimes, it's prayer that will... That, will guide me towards 
what kind of passage that I need to see. And then it will be revealed through scripture. So I already used this, this verse, but I'm going to use it again. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. If we ask God in prayer, the Bible states that, he get, that God gives wisdom generously. So, but there are a few conditions that are outlined in this, in verse 6. So actually, let's, if, you're, if you're not already there, let's flip back to that, because we're going to go and look at those conditions there. So James chapter 1, verse 5 through 6. So James chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. So first... We're to ask in faith. So verse 6 gives us three conditions. First, he must believe. It states that he must believe in my translation. The Greek, the Greek phrase is enpistei, which means to ask, and that particular part means asking in faith. The second is to not doubt. Literally transmit, tra- translated doubting nothing. So when you pray, do you have faith that whatever God directs you, whatever direction he d- directs you, is going to be best for you? Are you looking to God for directions or are you looking to God for suggestions? That's a really important thing to understand because if you're looking to God for suggestions, if you're not asking in faith, if you're doubting his guidance, you're going to be exactly like what it said at the latter part of verse 6. You're going to be like a wave tossed by the wind. Whatever, wherever the wind blows, you're not going to be following God's perfect plan for your life. Second, we're to adjust our desires. Prayer is about realignment. It's not about realigning God's will to fit with what we want our will to be, but it's about realigning our will, what we desire, to match with what God wants for us. And this is, uh, let me just, let's see, lost my spot? All right. Uh, Jesus, again, Jesus gives the, the ultimate example of what this is like in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Jesus not only taught his disciples how to pray, um, oh wait, I skipped that part. So when he taught them how to pray, he said, your, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not the, my kingdom come, my will will be done, but your kingdom come, your will be done, referring to God's kingdom and God's will. And he also demonstrated this. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, it says, this is Jesus right before he was going to be crucified. He says, it says, and going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Third, we're to approach God in humility. When we approach God in prayer, it's important that we approach God with a humble heart. Philippians chapter 2 Uh, Verse 8 says this, in reference to Jesus, it says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Our posture towards God, when we approach him, should be one of humility. When we pray to God, it's important that we seek him with a humble heart, understanding that his will is best. Psalm 25 verse 9 says, He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his ways. Pridefulness stands in the way of seeking God's will, but someone with a humble heart 
when you have a humble heart, you desire to seek God's will and you desire to follow God's will. So avoid pridefulness. Try to follow God with a humble heart. This is something that can be really difficult. This can be something that's really difficult for me to do because I want my plans to be, I have everything figured out. I want it to be my plans. And sometimes I forget that God knows everything. Now to summarize this portion on prayer, I just want to include a quote by George Mueller. I think he so eloquently describes this. He says this, I seek at the beginning to get my heart into such a state that has no will of its own regarding regarding a given matter. Nine-tenths of the trouble with people is just here. Nine-tenths of the difficulties are overcome when our hearts are ready to do the Lord's will, whatever it may be. When one is truly in the state, it is usually but a little way to knowing what God's will is or what his will is. So let me transition away from prayer here and go to another resource. We talked about scripture and prayer. They go hand in hand. So third resource that we have is seeking the advice of spiritually wise counsel. This is so important. So while scripture and prayer are essential in knowing this, we can be missing out if we don't seek the advice of others. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 15 state, states this, a way of the fool is the way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 27 verse 9 says, oil and perfume make glad the heart, but the sweetness of friend comes from his earnest counsel. As you might have heard this past week, I was uh, at orientation new student orientation at Moody. And probably one of my favorite parts at Moody is just meeting all of the people who are on fire for the Lord. It's such an encouragement. And so for lunch, I've just been lunch and breakfast and dinner. I've been kind of jumping around tables like an extrovert would do. And so I've been jumping around tables and just meeting new people. And so on Wednesday, I met this man. He's from um, he's from middle, middle, mid-state New York, and he was going to be a dairy farmer when God tra- changed his life. And his story is fascinating, but I was conversing with him a little bit and asking him, how does God speak to, how does God reveal to his will to your life? And he mentioned the exact two things that I'd already mentioned, scripture and prayer. But then he said this, which I thought was really, really wise. He said, he said this, don't, do not think that because someone might not be as smart as you, might not know as much about the Bible as you, or might not be as old as you, that God can't use them to challenge you to pursue God. I believe that this is such a great point, and I'm glad that, that he was willing to share that with me. Um, you don't have to, God's will doesn't have to come through a pastor or someone who studied the Bible for years or anything like that. It can come through just a close friend who has an honest relationship with the Lord and wants to see you grow in your relationship to the Lord. Um, I, my, my real close friend, Josh, is just like that for me. We're, we're close friends together. He has an honest relationship with the Lord. And just to hear his wise counsel spoken into my life has been such an encouragement to me. Um, so profound. And, and I really appreciate that. So there's this verse that that reminds me of. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 states this. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame, shame the strong. So many a times, it's just the wisdom of a friend that's, that's often pointing me in the direction of God's will. Now, caveat. Remember the first rule that I stated. 
God's will will never contradict scripture. So again, if your friend is telling you that you should be sleeping around or going, doing all of these other things, that's not the will of God. So always measure it up with scripture. Even, like I said, even the pastor, even the elders, always measure it with scripture. Be like the Bereans, go back to what God's word says. Now, um, also during orientation week, we were given a bunch of lectures, the kind of normal things, how to sign into your, your account, all of those kind of standard, not super exciting things, but the stuff you got to hear. One of them was a safety briefing. And so it was by the, the head of security on the, on the campus. He seems like a super nice guy. But one of the things, he's giving common sense guidelines for navigating Chicago. And I'm not from Chicago. I literally hadn't spent a night overnight in Chicago since I moved on to campus. So I'm a little intimidated and I'm listening carefully. But common sense things like, don't just go out at night by yourself. Like that's pretty common sense. But the same principle applies to our spiritual life. Don't walk alone. Don't walk alone in your spiritual life. Surround yourself with people who desire to know God's will, who are wise people, who can be encouragements in your life. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 18 and I'm going to highlight just a a few verses in in Exodus chapter 18. We'll start in verse 17. So Genesis, or sorry, Exodus chapter chapter 18, verses 17 through 18. Let's turn there together. I have a confession to make. I'm actually not reading from this. I've got all the the verses on my paper, so. (laughs) But I'm just giving you a second to find it yourself. So I'm in numbers, but right here. Um, So follow along. Thumbs up, everybody there? Everybody got it? All right. So uh, (laughs) Exodus chapter 18 here. Moses' father-in-law replied, oh, need context first. So uh, Moses is acting as the judge. He's settling disputes for all of the Israelites and just wearing himself out. He's probably thinking, yeah, this is a good job. Like this is, this is a good thing to be settling disputes, um, sealing up arguments. Like all of these things are good things to be doing. But God brought someone into his life to correct him. It was his father-in-law. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work, you're, the work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it. Then he proceeds to give him instructions on how to divide up the task. And that's application in and of itself. But I want to emphasize the point that God brought someone who may, he may not have been expecting to receive godly advice from, but he brought his father-in-law to give him advice for what to do. And God was able to speak um, to, to deliver his will for Moses in his life. Now, my dad gave me this really good point, and I can't take credit for him, but he took credit for him. He said that, <laughs> he, uh, he said that we've all got blind spots. Moses was somebody who was truly pursuing God's will, yet he still had blind spots, right? And I think about it, it's so ironic because I'm preparing for this, I'm praying through the passage, I'm reading the passage, and I come up with, or I have, I pull out some points of application, and I'm like, wait, that's super obvious, I should have gotten that, why did I miss that? But then I realized, I got blind spots too. So, 
We've all got blind spots, and it's important that we remember that we do, and we surround ourselves with others. One of the blessings of being part of a men's ministry is that you surround yourself with Jethro's, with people who can speak wisdom into your life. It's such an important part that you surround yourself with the Christian, as my, uh, my floor mate said, the brethren, which just sounds cool. Um, it's, so it's so important that you surround yourself with wise counsel, with the brethren. So, I want to move on um, and also real quick emphasize um, that you should, or do you know who the Jethro's in your life are? Do you know who those people are who can speak wise advice into your life? So identify those people and listen to them. Are you willing to hear what they say and stick close to them, surround them? Those people are going to be good friends for you. So let me just highlight a fourth thing. I know sermon outlines are supposed to be like three points, but four, five, it's all right. It's before Bible college, so they haven't said I can't do this. So as I mentioned, there's two primary resources to discerning God's will, scripture and prayer. And then we've covered the the importance of wise counsel, but I'm going to put in a third one here, and that's having a sense of peace from the Holy Spirit. So um, when I was, uh, or let me just use, or pull up this passage, And I forgot to put the reference on it. I apologize. But um, this is what the passage states. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for for words. And he also searches our hearts and knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So in just these two verses... It highlights two or three really important things. One, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Two, he intercedes for us. And three, he intercedes according to God's will. We don't, we don't know what God's will is for us. We often don't know what God's will is for us. And so even when we don't, the Holy Spirit is interceding on our behalf according to God's will. Um, outside, so also outside of the essential role that the Holy Spirit has to, plays in prayer, it also plays a role in our, whether or not our conscience is either affirmed or we're be, feeling cr- convicted by our conscience. It's something we should be really sensitive to. So um, I just want to highlight something. If you're trying to make a decision and you feel like your conscience is prohibiting you from making this decision, then you want to make sure to very um, carefully go back, check scripture again, seek wise advice. It's just something like a check engine light. You better check, make sure everything's good. Um, Now, I just want to highlight something. I want to note the difference between your comfort zone and your calling. I want to highlight the difference between comfort and calling. Jesus knew that it was his will for God, or he knew that it was God's will for him to die on the cross. That was his calling. But that didn't mean that Jesus was comfortable with going to go die on the cross. It says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 26 through 38. It says, my soul is sorrowful even to death. This was, this was uncomfortable, but it was what God was calling him to do. So learn to identify the difference between comfort and calling. Having a peace from the Holy Spirit about the decision that you're making doesn't mean that it's within your comfort zone. Let me do a little comparison for you. Think of Jonah and compare it to Jesus. Jonah was called to preach to the Ninevites over here. And that was outside of what he was comfortable with. He probably thought that if he were to preach to them, he'd be dead men. And so he went 
where he's comfortable. He went in the direction of Tarshish, the opposite direction of where God was calling him. He went the, the way that God that felt comfortable, not the direction I was calling. Ultimately, God spun that around and, and created a revival in Nineveh that saved many, many lives. Now, compare that to Jesus. Jesus knew the direction that he was calling him. He, hum, he humbled himself and he followed God's will perfectly. And that is the ultimate example that we should follow. We should follow God's example. Let me just highlight this. It is better to be outside of your comfort zone and inside the will of God than to be inside your comfort zone and outside the will of God. I'll just say that again. It is better to be outside your comfort zone and inside the will of God than to be inside your comfort zone and outside the will of God. That is really important to remember because nine times out of 10, God's gonna call you somewhere that feels totally outside of your comfort zone. This is something that I need to remember, which is why I said it twice. <laughs> so fifth, I wanna highlight the importance of looking where God's opening doors and observing where God's closing doors. Let's turn to Acts chapter 16, verse six through eight. So see if you can beat me there. I'm gonna try to find it. You're probably gonna beat me there. Ah, shoot. I'm chapter, chapter 9, chapter 16, verse 6, and I'm still going to read from the page because that's the translation I chose. All right. So, thumbs up, verses 6 through 10, chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. All right, I'll wait a minute. I hope I'm not losing you. I don't see any, as many thumbs up as when I started. All right, there we go. That's it. That's it. That's the cue. Okay, so this is, this is Paul's second missionary journey. It says this, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And Paul had seen the vision and immediately sought out to go to Macedonia, concluding that, that, was, that God had called him to preach the gospel to them. So understand that God may close some doors in your life to lead you in a place where he's calling you, to direct your path. In Paul's second, second missionary journey, he had two doors closed on him, both in, in Asia um, both in Asia and also Mysia. God closed the door on both of those places. But you know what? Paul didn't fixate on the doors that God closed. God, or Paul fixated on looking for what, where God was calling him next. And God revealed his will to him at the proper time in the proper manner. God revealed that he was to go to Macedonia. And as a result, there was a flourishing ministry that started there. For example, Lydia and her household, who were eager to hear the gospel, and they found out and they accepted Christ, and their whole household was saved, which it doesn't state explicitly, but I can only imagine that they were so on fire that they wanted to tell the people around them as well. So shortly after they, they, uh, they went there, then they, or shortly after God closed the door, he opened the door to a new opportunity. Um, so I want to highlight in your life, don't become fixated on the doors that God closes in your life. It's going to happen. There's going to be something where you really believe that God's going to call you in a direction. And 
it's going to seem like the door closes on you maybe. You might think, why is this? But it could be because God's calling you in a different direction. Now, it's always important that we keep seeking God's will with scripture, with prayer, with wise counsel, while being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and also being observant for the opportunities he's opening up. Because more often than not, there's opportunities that we don't notice because we're not looking for them and we're too fixated on the opportunities these closed, closed the door on. So to wrap up, let me just review a few of the things that I've talked about. I actually just did this, but I will do it again. God's will is always best because he knows what's best. We need to search scripture in order to understand and seek God's will. The hard and fast rule is that God's will is never going to contradict scripture when it's properly interpreted and properly applied. Next, we need to seek God in prayer, seeking God humbly, seeking God in faith, not looking to him for suggestions, but looking to God for direction. We need wise counsel. Never walk alone. Surround yourself with people who can be Jethro's in your life, who can speak words of wisdom into your life and guide you down the step that brings you closer to God's will. Next, we need to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Understand the difference between your comfort zone and where God's calling you because they're likely different locations. And it's better to be outside your comfort zone and inside the will of God than inside your comfort zone and outside the will of God. Finally, be observant for the doors that God is closing, the opportunities that God's closing, because likely he wants you go, going down a different direction. He's going to open a door at the right time in the right place for you. So be observant to that. Now I just want to kind of close with some encouragement. Desiring to know God's will is a prerequisite, prerequisite to finding it. We need to have a desire to, follow, to know and to follow God's will. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, when you, you will seek me and you will find me. When you seek with all your heart. Warren Wiersbe, when referring to on the topic of motive, says, when you seek to edify others and glorify the Lord, you will know what to do. When, you desire, when your full desire is to glorify God and to build others up in accordance with the word of God and the counsel of others, then you're, not far, you're likely not far from the will of God. I don't know if that was a quote, because I don't have a person on that. I feel like it's not for me, but <laughs> I don't feel like those are my words. Um, and then sometimes it can feel like, you, like radio silent, like God hasn't been speaking directly into your life. Sometimes it can feel like radio silent. Just understand that God has, God will reveal his will at the right time, the right place. I like the words of Todd Burrow. We're talking at the men's retreat. He is such a fun guy. And so anyway, talking about God's will and just how sometimes it can feel like the very last minute when he finally gives you the directions or gives you the understanding of what you need to know. He says this, God's will is never late, but it's also never early. It's going to be at the right time. Now, that wraps things up. I'm going to close in prayer. I'm going to read Psalm 143, verse 10. I'm just going to change the word me to us because I want it to be something that we desire collectively. I'm just going to pray this verse right here. Let's bow our heads together. Lord, teach us to do your will. 
for you are my God. May your spirit lead me on level ground. Let's worship together. Amen. Oh, yeah. Excuse me?